Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than those tie-dye t-shirts that used to change colour when you put water on them. Very strange, very 90s. The Carls did the same as well. God, you love it. My name's Ash Rose, your host, your guide on this What Is It? The original 1990s football podcast. And it's a new season in terms of 22, 20, no, 23, 24, going all futuristic on you. And it feels like we could say that we've been around for our eighth season. We don't really do it in seasons, especially at the moment. We're all so busy. But yeah, we've been going eight football seasons, seasonally, if you want to use that word. So I hope you're enjoying the start to the new football season. But we don't want to talk about 23, 24. What do we do? We talk about the 1990s. That's what we do on this podcast. And I will get to the meat in the sandwich of the show uh, in just a second. Uh, Ed isn't with me today. Ed Chambers, the landlord of the football tavern, um, but he will be back for our next episode. He's far too busy pulling pints, putting on pub quizzes and showing them the football on his new swanky online Twitter pub. You know what he does, but yeah, he'll be back soon. So there will be a new voice on the main bit of the episode, which I will, will tell you all about in a moment. Um, I just wanted to mention, though, uh, a couple of things that had happened before uh, since we've last been together here. And it's always it's always sad to mention someone's passing but there were two big names that passed away in the summer and it's 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 always sad and I, in these two in particular the very 90s names in firstly Trevor Francis who passed away uh he, I mean he I know he was more as a player remembered for the 70s where he won the European Cup and was the first million pound footballer uh, but for us 90s heads I think we always associate him with that Sheffield Wednesday team after he, he's in end of his playing days, after he'd been player manager at QPR, in fact, at the right at the end of the 80s. Uh, but yeah, Sheffield Wednesday was kind of, he became player manager there after Ron Atkinson. He was manager that led Sheffield Wednesday into those two cup finals in 92, 93, where they lost to Arsenal. And it was a really entertaining Sheffield Wednesday side when you think like John Sheridan, John Harks, David Hurst, you know, bring, yeah, it was just one of those early 90s teams. I think he was even on the bench, actually, for the 91 League Cup final that Wednesday won as a non-playing sub, I think. But yeah, Trevor Francis, then he went on to manage Birmingham in the decade, uh, Palace towards the next as well. Um, just really sad to hear of his party in such a big sort of footnote in football history with a, you know, for the transfer fee, but also from a really good pundit. I always remember him in the late 90s as well. Really didn't see it so much in, in the modern day, but one of those pundits I always seem to enjoy listening to so sad to hear of his passing and then another one which came as probably somewhat more of a surprise given that he was only I think 47 but I mean he's a real 90s name as well Chris Bart Williams and it happened quite I think it may have been the same week or even a couple of days after Trevor Francis out of nowhere to be honest and he's probably one of those names that when you do that game oh do you remember when he played in the 90s blah 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 Chris Bart Williams probably gets into that kind of group of players, which I don't know if that's fair because I think he was a very, very good Premier League footballer for both Nottingham Forest and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, played for the England under twenty ones as well. We probably never quite got to that next level, but very, very good Premier League player. So really sad to hear of, of the passing of, of of those two players as well. So. Um, yeah, it's a past, condolences are passed on and everything. So sad note to begin the pod, but I felt like I, I should mention it because we mentioned it on the Twitter feed. Um, I felt like two big, massive 90s names. So wanted to give them uh, a mention and just say how sad it is to hear of their passing. 
anyway, today's show, uh, we're going to talk about kits, people. It's been a while since we talked about kits on here. Uh, we've done numerous themes around kits over the years on the show. I think most of them have been on international kits where I get to wax lyrical about the USA 94 kit. So I think this, I dev, we haven't done this theme. There'll be some usual kits that are mentioned, uh, but um, I think this theme is brand new, which um, I will get to in a sec. While we're talking about kits though, I mean, it is the summer, you know, we've still slowly the final innings of the kits, new kits have been, uh, are being released even to this point, even in what we, towards the end of August now. Uh, so it's a very exciting time for me. I'm always stalking the Twitter feeds, looking for, you know, where what new kits right down, all divisions, all countries. Um, and there's, there is this passion to go retro, isn't there? And I, I always, you know, I love it. It's a bit of a trepidation I have because how far do you go to it looks good or is it not enough? There, it's a really hard balance to find. And I think that there's a few of them have done it well. This is the Southampton kit, which is more 80s, obviously, from, the, from Hummel, but... That's a perfect example of a very good retro remake in 2023 from a design that was very much uh, well-loved. Uh, the Everton one, I think, is a very clever uh, way of doing it from the new Everton Away kit. They've almost mixed two classic 1990s kit, the yellow, not yellow, orange and navy blue striped kit and that weird kind of blue with the weird grey effect on it. They've kind of merged those two kits um and come up with that's Hummel as well I think and come up with this kind of variation of it which which is quite nice I've never seen that mixing two massive kits from a certain era and then coming up one so I kind of like that um Liverpool have kind of harked back to the 96 away kit as well uh the the quarters where they had the green and the white quarters and Nike had given it a bit of a blurry effect so I you know appreciate that um I think Carlisle I've gone right to the back, right 90s with their uh, home kit design as well. So there are some great ones out there. But my little semi-rant is at you, Chelsea. Now, I'm all for 90s remakes, as I was just saying. I'm all for the advert. I thought the advert introducing uh, the new Chelsea home kit was very 90s, very well done, both with the, the theme and all the you know props and the players from that era was great. But don't, don't kid a kidder here, right? That kit is nothing 90s inspired. There's a tiny bit of white under the two arms, which does slightly mirror that late 90s kit. But the blue's different. The colour is completely different. Like that kit had a massive polo collar, which was, you know, one of our favourites and gets a lot of mention. It's, it's the kit we've got Auto Glass as a sponsor, if, if you don't know what we're talking about. And a lot of yellow trim. There's no yellow trim on that new Chelsea it's very dull. The badge, I don't know what's going on with the badge. It looks like a Panini sticker. And I'm not sure why it's got that weird effect. And to be honest, that's been another one. And I go into this rant on the episode. I don't like this new kind. Well, it's not new. It happened variation in the 90s, actually. But they've really taken it to the extremes, I think, in the, in modern day. It's changing the colours of the badge to represent whatever colour you've made the kit. It's not for me. I think it looks... I just don't understand why they do it. You wouldn't change... You don't change the logo colours. Like they are the colours to me. And I think kits would look better if they kept the badge, whatever colour it is, and then go crazy with the kit. But, you know, I'm not a kit designer. I'm sure there's a reason for it. But my main gripe is no Chelsea. That is not a 90s inspired kit. You can go all out with the advert and I loved it, but not the kit. Not the kit. Right. OK. Anyway, we are talking kits today. We are talking top five club kits from the 1990s. We still do stick to English football, although there's a little chat 
on European football as well as we speak to author Alex Island, who's got a new book out on football kit design, which we do chat about, as well as some other bits and bobs around his 1990s CV as well. So enjoy this episode. Let us know what your top five club kits of the 1990s are as well. Um, There are some I didn't mention, and I don't want to give them an honourable mention now because I'm going to give away which ones that, um, that I'm going to talk about. So if you're thinking, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say that? There are some, okay, there's one I don't say and I really should say it. Again, I'll, give, I'll, I'll make it up to you Chelsea fans who have just slagged their new kit off. The granite and orange Chelsea kit, I didn't mention, which I definitely should have. And also their laced uh, Commodore one white with a pinstripe. That's one I'm up there. They're very, two very nice kits, which didn't get mentioned. But there are, there are many more that could have got mentioned during the episode. But here are our top fives from the 1990s with me and Alex Island. Hey guys, it's Paul here from What's the Story, 90s Glory, and we got a new podcast for you. Join Ash, myself, and Chris each week for six weeks over the summer as we bring you the world's first E-Fed 90s wrestling podcast. With guests such as Triple H, Sting, Big Van Vader, the older but Warwick. No, no, we have no guests. Sorry, that's a lie. But we do sit down and we do talk about some of the best wrestlers from the 90s and if they haven't enough to get into our super roster. We'll build our own federation. We're building a roster. We need commentary team. We need announcers. We need valets. But we've got it all and we're building it. Hey, Paul Amenia, is this something the Hulk Amenias can get in on? Uh, um, no, Hulk. You're not going to make the list. What do you mean, brother? I'm Hulk Hogan. What you gonna do? Uh, no, no, you're, you're not going to make the list, I'm afraid. What about me, Brett the Hip Man Hard? I better be making your. Uh, well, Brett, again, you're going to have to listen just like Hulk and find out who is the on our list? No, it's me. It's me. It's DDP. I better be on. Uh, no, again, DDP, get in line. If you want to find out, you're going to have to listen exclusively to the podcast to find out who makes our eFed. If we don't come to you for contract, you're just not in. Join myself, Chris, and Ash as we sit down and build this roster. Do you agree with who we put in? Have we missed someone out? It's glaringly obvious. The only way to find out is to check the link in the bio, download the podcast, and listen up. Or you can hit us up at Twitter at Can We Book That. So that's Can We Book That on Twitter. Hit the link in the bio below. Uh, I've got to go. Vince Russo's knocking at the door. He's angling for a job. We'll see you soon. Joining me on the line now, on the line, don't I sound old school there, don the Zoom call, let's get more up to date, although this is a 90s podcast of course, um, author, he's got a brand new book out, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute and we're going to get all kit-tastic, yes people, it's been a while since we've done that, uh, but welcome to Alive and Kicking, Alex Island, how you doing Alex? I am good, Ash, thanks for the invitation. Well, thank you very much. I never need an excuse to talk kits and because uh, we haven't got Ed with us on this episode who isn't into kits as much as me, so I get to... God, we get to geek out completely um, in terms of kit-tastic stuff. So um, we'll talk about the book in a second because that's uh, let's get that promotion down. But as you're a new person on the show, we always do our 90s CV. And as we were just discussing but on the preamble, um, you're a Man United fan, but you've got, you know, you've put your excuses and disclaimers up first, haven't you? 
Absolutely. So I, I've always had an M post code. And it is uh, my, my closest professional league club. So I hope I get a pass from some of the listeners. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you were. Was it? I mean, not trying to give away the age. I mean, the, when when you started supporting them in the nineties, was it easy anyway? Because they were a local club and they had started to obviously become a glory. You know, all the the, the triumph of decade that it was. Yeah, no problems admitting it. I'm, I'm currently playing my 40th birthday. So uh, my dad first took me very fortunate timing in 92, 93. So January 93. Uh, we were also there when Brucey scored those two. Oh, amazing. So, yeah, it's it's it was a thing, obviously, when you've only appreciated success, you yep. don't realise how lucky we were to just have great team after great team and, and so many fantastic memories. And then... Although many fans would love to be where we are still, it, it's been comparatively a bit more, uh, a yeah. bit less successful recently. Yeah, I mean, on a much, much, much smaller scale, as I kind of get it because when I, as a QPR fan, when I started supporting them, we were—I'm going to say it—get your bingo cards out. We were the top London club. We were fifth place in the Premier League. Um, we've not gone anywhere near that since. So, although we haven't reached anywhere near the heights of Man United, and we're not in the Premier League, I could kind of get, you know. That was the height, and you kind of you have to live with what what you get. But I'd take Man United, obviously, at the moment. No offense, Gareth Ainsworth. Um, mm-hmm. So that's talk. Favorite nineties player from Man United then? For Man United, it's tough. Cantona's the the obvious easy one, but I think Roy Keane just mm. uh, kind of his drive is really really extraordinary, and I think he was really emblematic of that team. There's so many fantastic characters and. You know, looking objectively, they might not have been as skillful as some of their European counterparts, but it was a real character. And I think he, he really exemplified that and also was kind of a mirror of Ferguson on the pitch. Yeah. It was that, And I think that was what made him so successful. And I think one of the things is, obviously, he wasn't a Xavi or a, a Pirlo, but he was a cracking player. Yeah, you know, fantastic yeah. goal scorer midfielder in his earlier days before he kind of became that like midfield general. Mm. Kind of a player you don't really see anymore i think he had a bit of everything really didn't he i'm not sure if he could compare him to someone in the modern game anymore i think the closest that's come and i absolutely love him to bits is jude bellingham i think yes uh, yeah i think he would definitely have been top of fergie's shopping list mm. if he'd still been uh maybe delhi alley maybe not quite so defensive but i think that that aggression and yeah. and that was really kind of key to the game but yeah bellingham's probably the closest i've, I've seen and outside of Old Trafford, then who who are you rooting for? Who was your player of the nineties? So it's obviously something about Terrier-like midfielders because <laughs> uh, it's Edgar Davids, I think. Oh, not had so, much of Davids on here before. That's interesting. No, well, I, I obviously growing up as a, a United fan, but but it was, it was as soon as we started to compete in the Champions League, and obviously things like Football Italia and Sky Sports Spanish coverage, and it was more Champions League coverage coming out really fell in love with like European football and European leagues and he was part of that fantastic Ajax 95 side which was eight youth players in a Champions League winning team and then he also went on to Milan so that's another tick box on your 90s checklist and then he was kind of it's well water carrier is probably a, a, a wrong term but he was kind of like the the straight ball wasn't he called did he have something like a pitbull nickname at some point i think yeah that's it so he again it's that thing of combative but so skillful you remember yeah. he would appear in those lots of those nike adverts and do improbable skills which you you can't really imagine the likes of Deschamps or so on <laughs> pulling that out of there yeah. or even keen unless he's wearing clown makeup as we've seen in 2023 in that sky sports advert but yeah Absolutely. no 
absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Davids was a bit, you know, the the orange Nike glasses. They really made a thing of that, didn't they, in the late nineties? Yeah. That was yeah, uh, yeah. was he in that? I think he was in that Devil advert, wasn't he? The classic Nike with the Antonar collar. I'm sure he's in that advert. I think so. In the Netherlands shirt, and then yeah. he's in some of the later ones, uh, the, the Cage and things like yes. that. And yeah, there's one yeah. where Van Hal masterminded. A robbery of a football. Yes, uh, yeah. Ninjas and yeah, yeah. Uh, great night, Kevin. It's great memories. Like, good pick. We haven't had much of David's, but no, n- nice, nice pick. Uh, let's talk about the book, Alex. Um, it's just literally come out. You did the launch last week. Pretty Polly. I love the name. Um, so tell us. You know, you're obviously a massive football kit fan, like I am, like many of the listeners are. And as we were saying earlier, there's such a massive community about that, bigger than ever. I feel like now. How? What made you write the book? How did it come about? It's out from Pitch with the great people at Pitch. Tell us about the book. Yes, yeah, so I'd started writing different articles on football history and football kit for different magazines. And the more you read into it, you realise there's so many elements to it. And I just wanted to bring them together in in one book. And so that's what it does, covers the shirt itself and then lots of bits that are added onto it. You know, you think of the, the sponsors, the printing name sets, manufacturers, the whole replica industry, which didn't mm. exist until the 1970s, and just talking about how each of those come about and how they become a big part of the game. Yeah, I love the cover as well, because you've really gone big on the the classic patterns of of the uh, of that, of, of mainly, mainly of the 90s, actually. There's a lot of 90s on there. You've got the Germany one, obviously, the classic banana skin as well. I mean, I think, I don't know about you, Alex, like modern day kits, I think they try too hard to be iconic like the 90s like those patterns i don't know how you obviously you've done really research how how do you find like the classic patterns compared to what we see i don't think this year's a vintage year either but what we see in the modern day i think it's very hard because i say this quite often but but designers have to bring out three kits a, a year mm. they have a lot harder job than they would in the 90s and I think that temptation when you've got a massive to-do list of 10 teams, three kits each to think, what what can we raid in terms of the retro bin? And people mm-hmm. buy into it so much. Yeah. You know, there's so much nostalgia baked in that it's it's a very easy target. But I think it does run the risk that you've seen the 10th bruised banana, the 15th snowflake United <laughs> kit. Yeah. It kind of loses a bit of its cachet. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. The, the QPR shirt this year harks back to the, 80s and the Guinness shirt which I'm not actually a fan of um, which is quite sacrilegious as a QPR fan but I feel like we've gone there a quite number of times as well because as you say people hark back to that nostalgic element don't they to um, to, to get it but um, how you feel about templates because that's always my bugbear templated kit so that's always something that annoys me because I feel like, like you say you've got three designs that they should go a bit more you know a bit crazy if they can I think it's very again very difficult. So, so templates are a kind of dirty word, and and some of them are are terrible when you have maybe something that doesn't fit, and and that kind of indignity of just getting something that's got a different colorway slapped on it that mm-hmm. another club has. But actually, some of the most beautiful kind of well regarded kits are templates. So you, we were talking before we started about AX ninety five, and you might remember that navy shirt with the red detailing that they yes. wore in the final. And actually, that was a template design. So Spurs and Lazio wore versions of the same design. So I think if they're simple, boring templates, they're terrible. And and again, it's like a, a insult to injury that somebody else has the same yeah. awful design. But if it's good and it, it's putting your own colorway and your own stamp on it, I think they can be be really good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Because people, oh, I moaned about templates, but you forget, as you say, the 90s had quite a lot of them anyway. When you think of the, I also the 94 World Cup and the big Adidas, I think it's called Tricolor, it had the massive stripes. I think, you know, Sweden, Bulgaria, you know, there was a number of teams that copied that, but it didn't seem, maybe we weren't as overexposed um, to it in the 90s. But yeah, so tell us, you know, the book available, all good bookstores, some bad ones, all the usual spiel, yeah? Exactly, yeah. So uh, available now in in. Uh bookstores and online i think if you are hunting online one thing i've I've found is pretty poly as a title is as likely to lead you to a set of tights as it is a book so (laughs) if you pop uh, alex island in along there then uh, you might have a lot more luck hunting we'll do a plug again before the end but as you're on the show alex i thought we'd do a little top fives of kits because everyone loves a top five everyone we all like talking about kits and as we've just seen a lot of the new kits come out. I had a moan in the intro about the Chelsea one because they said it was 90s inspired. And the only thing I can say, it's not. It's definitely not 90s inspired. The advert was great, but not sure how much 90s thought went into that new Chelsea kit. But I'll stop ranting about that, everyone. I'll stop ranting. So that's, we're talking 90s, top five 90s club kits from the from the English league, whatever league you want to choose from. Um, have you actually put yours in order, Alex? Have you got a top five or is it just, you don't have to, is it just five of your favourites? No, I've I've gone a kind of random five, so Ooh, I'm I like happy that. To start where I where yeah, I start, kind of thing. That's cool because mine are quite. I've gone quite obvious. I'm, I'm quite nostalgic when it comes to these, and a lot of them from the same season as well. But um, we'll get to that. Go on, give us your first one then. Let's give us. Let's, we'll call it number five. We don't necessarily say their order, but number five in Alex Island's top five club kits of the nineties. Well, I, I wanted to go away. I could have gone the really niche area, but. The popular kits are popular for a reason because they're yeah. really good or they made a really big impact. And so I kind of want to make sure they're represented. So it might sound unusual for Manchester United fan, but my first choice is actually a Manchester City mm-hmm. shirt. So the 93 to 95 home shirt. And people might remember it best from those pictures of Noel and Liam Gallagher where they yes. wore the home and away shirts. Uh, and so I think it the reason it sticks out for me is that idea that in the 90s, football and kind of popular culture really mashed together for the first yeah. time. That really in the 80s, for various reasons, football wasn't a popular thing. It was very exclusionary. It was all kind of young men. And then it really came into the mainstream. You had like New Order in the England third kit. Mm-hmm. You had Kate Moss on the face appearing in an England shirt. And then it just became cool, part of that kind of Brit pop wave. You had Bedeal and Skinner as well. And that's just an emblem of it, really. And it really tied in well with the the city. And obviously, uh, the the kind of pun, the sponsor being brother and the two mm. Gallagher's uh, appearing. So, again, think like a 90s icon, really, for me. Yeah, you've, you've hit our wheelhouse perfectly there, Alex, I think. And yeah, that I've got that image of the Gallagher brothers in that shirt. It's really, I think we've posted it on the Twitter feed on numerous occasions over the years. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big, it does kind of the zeitgeist almost summed up of the mid nineties, you know, Britpop 96. We was, we always hark here on the summer of 96. How, if you didn't, if you weren't there, it's really hard to describe the weird, brilliant feeling in the country at the time of the, you know, it felt like it was the greatest weather ever. We had Euro 96, we had Britpop, we have a new government, whatever happened in the future didn't matter at that time. At that point, it felt something different. And yeah, that kind of feels like should fit into that as well, for sure. Big collar, love a big collar. And I think as well, it's really Umbro's peak as well. So, mm. you know, they have been priced out of a lot of the big contracts now, likes of Adidas and, and Nike are in there. But at the time they had 
England, they had Scotland, Manchester United, Manchester City, but they also had a load of massive European clubs. They just lost the Brazil contract, but they had the Ajax in 95. Ronaldo, when he moved to Inter, was wearing a an Umbro shirt. You had Napoli, that great Parma team. So it's they they were really, you know, being a Manchester firm as well, an English firm, that was really their kind of golden period. And it fits in with, you say, that kind of zeitgeist, the Britpop, all these elements of British culture kind of being really prominent and celebrated. Yeah, I think, I'm, well, I think Umbro won the 90s, didn't they? I'm, I'm just looking here, <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. of my kits are Umbros. And I think you mentioned my, one of my favourite kits of all time is the Brazil set from 94. Um, obviously, the England, as I've said many times on this podcast, the England third kit with the three massive lines on it is, for me, the greatest England kit of all time. And the Umbro, I still love Umbro now. What, what they're, I think most of the time, I think they still, design-wise, have a cut above some of the, uh, the Nike and Adidas stuff. We've got the big contracts. Good start then. I, for again, my not, I think my number one is a number one, but the rest of them can kind of interchange, I think. So I'll go the way I've written them down. Um, and mine is Umbro, I think it's definitely... Uh, yeah, of course it is. So I've gone for an Umbro as well, and a lot of this is going to be from the same season because I think it's just the season of nostalgia. I've gone... Nottingham Forest is... I think I've had a lot of great, great kits, especially in the 90s, and it kind of hurts me to see how dull Adidas have done their home kit this season. Love the away kit, I must mention, but in 2023, uh, I think the home kit's a bit dull. I'm going back to the home kit of the opening day of 92-93, first Premier League season, first Super Sunday. Um, and I love the classic, again, polo collar, which I think is a running theme. And I think it might be a running theme in this show. And the classic pinstriped Nottingham Forest, big badge. I think it's, is it Labatt's? I think it's the sponsor. No, Shipston's. It's just next season was Labatt's. It's Shipston's. And it's just something quite classic about it, but also different. I don't, I think they've experimented with pinstripes later on to try and, I guess we've already said, hark back to it, but it kind of stands out for me. And I was a big fan of the following season with the big black lines as well. And they've had some great away kits in that era as well. The yellow Mozart catastrophe I love. And there's a blue and purpley one, which, well, um, but no, that forest. First Super Sunday, Teddy Sheringham against Liverpool. That always stands out, and that's always a kit that I love. Uh, got some love for that one, Alex? Absolutely. Like you say, it's probably the last, for Forest fans, the last really fantastic Forest side. And, yeah, very much in that 90s wheelhouse, as you say. And, and actually, Stan Collymore, who was, I think, featured next season, yeah. was he was close to being my my 90s player. I think the English really? Oh, know, okay. Uh, it's somebody so 90s and yeah uh, you know I was fortunate enough to watch him at, at Old Trafford and he absolutely destroyed us and then you know things didn't quite mm. come out this the, the tail end of his career but just so much potential and skill and he was so linked on. with United wasn't he I think United were quite interested in him at the time before Liverpool yes yeah, so I think it was it, it was there were a couple of very small details that mean he didn't join and we went for Andy Cole in, mm. instead so but what what kind of what could have being yeah. a fantastic player and likes of Stuart Pearce and, and others in that team. is Yeah. And obviously Cluffy still in his last days. At the yeah. Club that's, is... that's the only thing with that kid is the season they got relegated and it's Cluffy's last kind of yeah. say hurrah, but it's kind of a really dour end to his, you know, legendary career at Nottingham Forest. I've always had a soft spot for Nottingham Forest. I don't know what it is. It's it's something I quite like them as a team. I liked a lot of their players like Collie Moore and Brian Roy and Steve Stone, who I loved as well, but yeah, their kits as well. That, Colin will go old traffic you mentioned is in that blue kind of purpley and it's a really odd color combination but seems to work uh, but so yeah I've gone forest for my number five over to you Alex what are we going number four 
I'm just sneaking into the end of the 90s. I hope this is permitted. But West Ham 99 to 2001. So Fila, Dr. Martin. Uh, yeah. So that youth generation, Rio Ferdinand, Carrick, Joe Cole, really, I don't think anybody's bettered that. I mean, mm. a fantastic potential. Harry Redknapp at the wheel, De Canio. So, yeah. Great team, great time as a West Ham fan. I think really kind of, again, sums up that late 90s era as well. Quite simple design, but really kind of classic. Yeah, again, we've got the polo collars there, isn't it? It's, we, it, it must be a thing on football kits that I think a certain, definitely me and you, a certain vintage, we do love a bit of a polo collar, don't we? But yeah, no, I remember that quite fondly. Feeler as well. I mean, Feeler? Like, how, what the hell? Where did they go? I mean, they were very... I think I had some Fela trainers at some point as well. I mean, where did Fela? I can't remember making many more clubs than West Ham. Is there in your research has Fela done many more? Well, funny you should say that. Oh, but, look, he's wearing um, a Fiorentina Fela kit. There we go. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, but small, small stable clubs. There are lots of like Reebok. A lot of people who mm. came in for a few years and kind of disappeared. The nineties, there was a really big spread of different uh, companies. Yeah, we had Brooks in the early nineties QPR, which is a very and view from. I think we're the only yeah. club that have ever had view from and i think the only other thing i remember them making is they made the olympics so it would be nine i think 96 olympics i think they made the gb team like kit if it's called that in the olympics but all the attire that the gb team was view from but they kind of did that then went again but the kits they did for qpr i'm like my favorite away kit of qpr of all time is a, is a view from one and i've and i've purposely not done qpr shirts because they trump everything in my view so yeah, i've left yeah. them out completely and i should have said that at the start um, but no that west ham is that the west ham kit to canio scores that goal in as well i think it is i think it? so yeah 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 so which extra, is, uh, points. extra points even though that's 2000s but we'll let it off it's a it's a goal set up by trevor sinclair xqpr i'm gonna start stop QPRing. um okay yeah good choice again um funnily enough i'm gonna go for a kit <laughs> that i've just chose that's in exactly the same game it's it's the liverpool away kit from the first season of the Premier League, 91, uh, 92, 93, and that kind of green. And to me, it's just, I never, at that point, you don't get many green kits, especially in the early 90s, where green was kind of goalkeepers. Like, it's changed over the years, and especially when, in the 90s, the goalkeeper kits went psychedelically brilliant. But, you know, in the growing up, I got you kind of got conditioned that goalies wear green because it kind of didn't clash with anything. And then Liverpool, when they had that rebrand in the early 90s and the, the new badge came out with Netherwalk alone and the gates and stuff, they had they added a bit more green to the badge. And then they released this away kit, which had the big Adidas stripes on the shoulder. I think they had it for two seasons because it has two different sponsors. It has can Candy and then they did it again. I think it's slightly tweaked the kit, but only ever so slightly uh, with Carlsberg the following season. And it was just that shade of green. I'd never seen it before. It really took me by surprise. And I admit as a kid, like the first team I was aware of before my dad conditioned me to be a QPR fan was Liverpool because they were the big team and they were winning things. So I knew of Liverpool and those gorgeous early 90 kits of the the red and the, the away silver. But that green is something quite, again, nostalgic about it. If that early 90s Liverpool team, if they were in transition, they were still a big club. But, you know, the Graham Soonies era started to become... And just that deep... And I don't, it's a very Liverpool colour. They've tried it a few times recently as well. I think a couple of seasons ago, they had that green as well, didn't they? And the, uh, Nike bought it out in the in the home kit as a trim. But yeah, I, I just feel like it's such an iconic Liverpool green. I couldn't leave it out. I think I prefer it with candy just for that little bit of early 90s. But what do you think of that one, Alex? 
Absolutely, it's hard to admit as a United fan, but but yeah, you're kind of looking enviously over at Anfield for for that kit. Going back to what we said, it's a template design. Lots of teams mm, will a very similar design, but it, it's implemented in a really distinctive colour. And that's it. A lot of teams, you have your traditional home colour and then you get kind of attached to particular things. We've had a lot of white away kits, for for example, but that, that green's very Liverpool. And that, for me, that was one of the little tweaks. So they had it on a collar in yeah. the 90s for a home kit and they recreated it and I don't think the kit was that popular the recently recreated one but those little subtle nods I think are some of the mm. the nicest way to use the retro features is just you know a kind of a wink to a particular design even if that one in particular you know wasn't a favourite yeah I mean I think Liverpool had a great 90s when it comes to kits as well I mean the word accrue became a word thanks to to Liverpool in, in the mid 90s love that kit shout out to Jay Pearson who's done a film on it who I've been trying to we've been trying to get him on the show which we will do at some point just so he can just speak for an hour on one kit which would be be fun for me because I love the kit um the accrue the, episode the accrue episode definitely I mean teams did copy it later I think Charlton had an accrue kit I think West Ham did it at some point as well and it's gone again like no I haven't heard accrue <laughs> since the 90s i don't even know if it was a thing um their gold kit i loved as well i think that was kind of mid 90s they did as well liverpool so they had some great kits but yeah that was my favorite okay number three for you then alex another classic so it's newcastle's first adidas kit in the mid 90s oh, okay so you remember the granddad collar that yes collar and the newcastle brown ale sponsor so again really reaching for the nostalgia but probably the Keegan team at its peak and in this really distinctive kit and also that tie-in with the city the club is so central to the city and then to have this like city icon on the front I think really ties it well together because the finances of Premier League now mean that really it has to be a billion dollar multinational that's sponsoring because the, the cost of entry and cost of sponsorship is so high but you could have a local firm and that local tie in the 90s and obviously that really work with Newcastle yeah I mean I think if we were doing the the definitive top 10 kits of the 90s and not trying to be biased in our own I think there would be a big argument for this kit to be number one when you see those kind of polls online that certain websites do and I, I always feel like I'm scrolling down knowing that Newcastle I think it's 95 I want to say um is going to be number one because you don't see a granddad collar very often and I, no. it's a hard to get I always feel like with stripes and hoop shirts, getting them quite different every season, I feel that must that must be a horror for companies because it's really hard, especially red and white. I feel like there are so many red and white striped teams in, in the English league. I always feel like they must have done everything. Yeah. So to, to get this to do so different, and as you say, the stripes are a bit wider, the granddad collar, the Newcastle brown owl, it's almost kind of... It helped, of, of course, as well with how well Newcastle and the entertainers were doing and Les Ferdinand joined them this season as well. And he was PFA Player of the Year. So, yeah, it's a very iconic kit. And that away kit, I, I guess you're a fan as well because that's, that's another beauty, isn't it? It was a toss of a coin whether to include yeah. that the home <laughs> away. I think that definitely is the best combo, home away yes. combo with the 90s. So, yeah, fantastic uh, purpley and blue stripes. And it's remained with them, bizarrely, because I was watching, I started to watch the Newcastle documentary last night that's just dropped on Amazon. And there, there was some flags in the um, one of the shots in the, in the crowd. And there's a, one of them is uh, based on that pattern. It's kind of, 
I know they brought it back for one season not that long ago, but really, it's really just stemmed from that mid '90s kit that, that stayed with them. It's a very unusual color combination, but it's you know, I remember Ginola scoring a worldie in that kit at one point, I think as well, um, rugby style look, wasn't yeah. it? Um, but yeah, no, good choice. Yeah, I think that had to be in there for sure. A great, great Newcastle kit. So I think sure. Celeste was peed off with the that he saw it more as a rugby shirt. He wasn't particularly <laughs> fond of those shirts at the start. So yeah, he picked up on on that. I love that you called him Celeste. Thank you very much. That's uh, extra points for Alex on here. Um, my number three. Um, this is a bit of a different one because um, I don't think they wore it what, that often. I'm just going to get it up so I get the year. I think it's ninety three, and I think it's the third shirt as well. But they were, I think it was opening day. Yeah, there we go. Tottenham Hotspur. And I think it was either the opening day or very early on. Very sunny. Teddy Sheringham scored. I seem to mention Teddy Sheringham quite a lot. But it's their third kit. And it was kind of, again, Umbro. It was kind of a really nice sky blue, which always speaks to me anyway. Very much England third kit sky blue with, a no, again, same sort of colour. And it looked like, you know, it's pinstriped as well. And then for some reason, but it really did work, the pinstripes in the top of it started to spell out spurs in kind of one of those mad 90s looks that you, i kind of remember those t-shirts you used to get with loads of words sprawled out in massive giant word art type lettering very of its time very different again tottenham had a lot of great shirts in the 90s the jurgen klinsman shirt from his debut in 95 that's a great shirt um some of the later pony ones are great as well the yellow one with the flecky on the shoulder was also one of my favorites but this kind of unit i don't i only very rarely remember them maybe a handful of times they wore it which makes it kind of also unique in itself but i love the difference to it i love the fact that it's got this massive spurs motif on it polo collar again but just a smart but crazy shirt at the same time. Do, do you remember that one? Yeah. So again, I think that it's very difficult to find bad 90 shirts, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there's so many bangers, but yeah. And again, and launching a, a one man passionate defense of the template shirt, actually that was something that Umbro made for other teams. So there's a really mm, beautiful yeah. green version for Ajax war with yellow detailing. But again, like you say, that combination of pinstripes and that cool projection of the club name on the top half is really distinctive. And yeah. obviously the Holston sponsor yes. is one of those in the kind of JVC Sharp Club <laughs> of just instantly recognisable. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I, I think sponsors should just stay. I, you know, when you when new kits are released and you see some, again, one of those websites, here's new shirts with old sponsors. There's something like old people like us just go, oh, when you see Holston and JVC and, you know, United obviously would be Sharp and Elonix if you're Wimbledon um, and things like that. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, Holston kind of kind of just tips it off as well. But, yeah, I'm just looking at it now. It's such a, yeah, such a lovely kit that. Well done there, Umbro. Okay, we're got to, we've got four more left so you're number two then so again going to a rival club is arsenal's 9193 had to pick oh, the, the classic Arno. yeah so some designs and united snowflake that 90 to 92 away shirt is mm. there's the, some of them that become kind of more than a shirt and they've just become a pattern like you could instantly recognize it obviously it's on the front of of the book yeah and yeah, just fantastic design that is so distinctive and so evocative. You think of Rowcastle, you think of Merson, of Wright. It's a certain time. Again, it's got that JVC sponsor as well. Uh, so like many of these things, it wasn't very popular at the time. 
uh, Ian Wright, there was a great interview with him when he was talking, having just joined Arsenal, and, and he had this idea of wearing a beautiful red shirt, white sleeves, and then he stuck with this bruised <laughs> banana number. And at the time, he was pretty peeved about it. But like many of them, even when they're, they're not appreciated at the time, and many thought the fans thought it was horrible, in hindsight, it's become like that key part of the club's identity and, and culture and so on. I love that they probably designed that thinking, oh, this is a cool kind of different design. Because also that was repeated on a, there's a foreign club, isn't there, that had the kind of, is it a blue version I remember as well, templated? Yeah, there's two or three that knock it out in various corners of the the earth. But they must have just thought it was, you know, we'll release this. It's quite different. I don't know. I've added that at the time. I would have thought how massive and how much, as you say, a staple hold of Arsenal that kit would become because it's just when you talk about Arsenal that is kind of the away kit you go to the bruised banana I'm not sure they ever wanted it to be called the bruised banana but but that's exactly what it looks like and it just evokes so many memories of that time and I think a lot of their kits have been a subtle nod to that I mean there was I think when I just retook over a few seasons ago they really went out and tried to but even the late in the 90s the yellow stuck for a few seasons didn't it and the classic one with the sash across as well it's a real as you say iconic look for Arsenal isn't it yeah, I was speaking to um, Dennis from the Museum of Jerseys podcast. He does a fantastic website on on football yeah. kits. And we're talking about one of the main reasons that we don't see these mad 90s designs now is that UEFA restrictions have become ever mm. more and more draconian. And actually, when they did do this re-released version, I think 2017, 18 yeah. away version, You'll, you'll see that it's like the volume's been turned down from 10 to 2. It's much more subtle. And actually, Adidas had to go back a few times to UEFA and sort of turn it down and turn it down until it got accepted. So, yeah, it's been tried again. But, yeah, one of the fa- reasons we don't have these night designs is, and one of the reasons we're not so creative anymore is UEFA just don't allow a bruised banana anymore. <laughs> That's the line you want to hear. <laughs> I know, you know, it's just, I suppose the number sets and things like that is just it's disappointing. But I'm looking, yeah, it does stand out when you look at the Arsenal kits as well from that era. It's kind of, it's such a, oh, it's such a great kit. It really is. Um, I'm going to literally, that's a good way to segue into what I was going to pick for number two. I've kind of st- stuck for Man United because I've got, I love a lot of their kits. Again, I like Liverpool, I think. Man United really shone with their kits in the 90s. Um, a lot of them, I think, when a kit design started to get such a massive thing, the big clubs uh, got a lot of the sway in terms of it. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to choose which one to go with. I love the black kit. I love the Newton Heath halves. I think they're, they're a great look. But I, I cannot stay away from the snowflakes. I just, they're such an iconic look. We've used that word so much already. But I remember watching that in the League Cup final. It was I remember watching it. There was a game, late night League Cup, watching Sports Night. I think Lee Sharp's got a hat-trick. In a, I think it was 6-2 win against Arsenal. And I think that was the first time my dad taped it and I watched it in the morning. I'd seen this kit. Because, you know, growing up, United are red. And I think, as you say, a lot of their away kits, 91 Cup final, were white. This kind of, at the time, didn't you know what pattern to call it. But this kind of light blue, speckled look with a tiny red trim with the around the Adidas stripes. Again, I don't think they meant for it to be so massive when they released it. And in later years, it's become, as, as, as the Arsenal one, it's been re-released in its different guises and, and, di- and different ways. But it's such a, a lovely-looking colour set. It's such a standout shirt. It helped that they won something in it as well. I think that always helps when you've got a nice shirt. And I tried to steer away from it because um, I also like the 
the re- the blue one. I think it was the following season they had an away kit. It almost looks like tree bark in the yeah. in on the pattern. I think mean, I don't know how else to describe it. That's a really nice kit as well. But if we if we're talking nineties, I had to be a bit more obvious. So as a United fan, Alex, you must you must revel in this kit. Absolutely, and I could have happily filled my whole list of five with just <laughs> yeah. United kits, but but that would have been really high. I think that's really the first kit I ever fell in in love with. I remember having a Sabutio team. My dad and I used to play a lot, and I had a Sabutio version of that kit. And imagine actually thinking back, the the fine artwork that must have been must have been yeah on on there. <laughs> but as you as you say, it's just like many of these really good kits. It's just part of the club culture. Like you see, so many people. They did do a reissue, but so many people in ropey knockoffs at, at oh, home yeah. ma- and away matches. And yeah, it's just part of the fabric of the club. Are you like me that when you see those, and it's no offense to these companies because they do a great job and sell a lot of kits, but when you see those kind of non sportswear logo, kind of, I don't want to name the companies because it's not fair, but rehashes, I, does it kind of pain you as much as it pains me? Less so, I think, because it's just affordability, isn't it? And the yeah. fact that, that not everybody is prepared to spend 20 hours hunting around on on eBay at all. I, I don't own one because I only buy long sleeve kits, really. And they, I think they were only released as player issues. So you never, mm. never get them. So uh, I've still to pick one up. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to that. It's, yeah, I, I get it. You can't, you know, the afford, especially nowadays, kits prices. You know, I've got the USA '94 one behind me out of jar, which if you try and pick up now is kind of one of the most expensive kits around. But I got it years ago, just when kit thing started to be a uh, people started being collected. I I wish I was a collector. I don't. I own the odd one or two. Um, I've seen your Instagram feed, which I know you you got some absolutely amazing collection. Maybe we'll quickly talk about that um at the end. But yeah, that main eye kit is definitely one uh for me go then top are you saying this is your top kit or is it just one of the oh you're gonna go all out so this is your favorite i'm gonna go top and it probably won't surprise you who it's going to be go on so i did go home club and i went for the (laughs) manchester united third from 93 to 90 sorry 92 to 94 the uh, newton heath you you mentioned and yeah a fantastic kit for and picked it for so many reasons. First of all, the promo. I don't believe you've ever seen mm. those pictures that yes, they of somehow persuaded Sir Alex to <laughs> dress up as like a Victorian yep. gentleman in a, a pork pie hat and, and so on. And half the players had these again Victorian mustaches and, and so on. Brilliant. So yeah. But it yeah, fantastic. It's it's great looking, but it's also just become this idea we talked about just a central part of the club culture to the extent that it is now the colors of the protest movement that if you mm. want to protest against the glazers you know this has become such a kind of fundamental part of fandom that it is wearing it is your way to show your protest and i think it's one of the few successful fan fan protest movements in the top flight against these kind of financial movements you know that we we had a a game premier league game cancelled and it it looked for a moment like it was really going to pour over and become something really important and i think it's probably reined back you know in terms of what it could do but yeah the idea that a shirt can sort of inspire a revolution is is pretty powerful yeah and it's such a standout and it has that it has the obviously going back to the original colors but i remember at the time it was so such a different 
route. If they like May United kits, every away kit seems to get more and more different. And this was such a whoa, what is that? It looks such it stood out so completely. Laced collar, which we haven't mentioned, which is such a staple yeah. hold of those early nineties. There's a lot of shirts that are the Aston Villa shirt from the first Premier League season is one of my favourites that just missed out with that round collar and then with with the laces as well, which I don't think's allowed now. I'm sure that's a UA for I bet you wouldn't be allowed a, a laced collar in, in 2023, but that was definitely one. And the home shirt had obviously mirrored that as well. But the fact, as you say, that it's now become a symbol, it almost makes that kit even more on a pedestal above everything else. But it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a banger of a kit. Really, and really is. And one of the things is showing, it also sort of shows it, it was one of the first retro inspired designs. So taking elements of the club history, but actually it appears that it, wasn't correct so united have definitely worn yellow and green and they have worn a halved shirt but it it looks now more recently like they didn't wear the two together so they had to base it on black and white photographs and think it was actually a red and white half shirt so many of these there there are many examples of this that you have to take things from black and white photographs and actually many of these kind of retro inspired shirts so the the black the red current arsenal shirt that was the hybrid shirt it turns out that wasn't quite as it was was planned so yeah many of these that's the kind of challenge of these retro inspired designs is often you're basing them on wonky evidence yeah it's a shame that it's an obvious reason they haven't gone back to that because i suppose the fan movement and the club's official lines can't really endorse a newton heath because it's such an iconic look that i'm I'm a, you know, it would be surprising they haven't gone back to doing something like that. But I suppose it's a bit murky for an official club to do yeah. it. I think if we have a new owner, there couldn't be a better like yeah. slam dunk promotional thing. The first away or third kit to be a Newton Heath would, I mean, the you, you know, you collapse the website. I think, <laughs> and only if they reproduce that p- pro picture as well i want i want to see you know rasmus hoyland with his tash <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that and, and mason and mason mount would look proper actually i can imagine mason mount with a tash like that for sure um i'll quickly finish off then um because i think i've talked about this kit before um i'm actually going back to arsenal and we we wax lyrical there about the banana skin kit um bananas but bruce banana kit my actual favourite club kit of the 90s, non-QPR, put that disclaimer in there, is actually just further in the decade. And I always, I can always remember when I first saw it. It's the Arsenal away kit from 95 and 96. And I remember being in the school canteens. So this must, this is the days obviously before ridiculous kit launches and social media and all like that. Uh, it must have been, so it would have been early on in the school canteen. So someone must have got it over the summer. I, might, I hadn't seen it in Shoot magazine yet for some reason or Match magazine. And he walked into the canteen Daniel Bazant, his name is, if you're bizarrely listening. I've never, I haven't spoken to you since school, but you are the person I'm speaking about. In this Navy Arsenal kit, which I think they had a Navy one the prior season. So I kind of went, oh, he's wearing last season's kit. But as he turned around, this amazing lightning bolt effect was all down the side. And then it had Arsenal written in like their classic Arsenal lettering down the bottom. It was just so, again, just so different from what i'd seen from kits before to have this massive lightning bolt and i admit and as it used to seen through this a blue always makes my head spin anyway i'm very much when it's a blue colored shirt I, i'm looking at it in probably googly eyes more than i am at any other color but it's just the motif was so and obviously it was repeated on the home kit they had it in the kind of in the fabric of the home kit the lightning as well which i think they've done this season actually saying that there's a bit of a heart back to that on that shirt but yeah, big fan. Love how the badge is in the actual colour as well. My, I don't know about you, Alex. My new bugbear of kits 
is how they release new kits and the badges in the color of whatever crazy colors they've made i always think the badge should stay it makes it, it makes the kit even look better to me if the badge is the actual colors rather than here's a pink kit so we've changed fulham's badge to pink and it annoys me but again it's another rant for another day um but what, what are your views on that arsenal kit where's that stand for you Absolutely, that could have been on on the list as well. So Nike really emerged as a kit yeah. supplier in the mid nineties, and so the kit you talk about is a guy, American guy called Drake Ramberg, who uh, designed that. And also, you might remember those famous neon yellow Dortmund kits. So he was yes. responsible yeah. for that series of really crazy designs. The Nigeria kits for '96 uh, Olympics and '94 PSG had some beautiful kit night mm-hmm. kits around that time. So all kind of one guy's team, and yeah. Knight brought something new, probably coming from the outside and not having the history in football that Adidas or Umbro did. They could just go wild and you got some of these most dramatic mid-90s designs came from Ramberg and his team. And that's the lightning bolt is right up there. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a again. I think it's become a bit of Arsenal as well. I love how they've their kits have become part of their fabric, a lot like the big clubs do. But it's it kind of it make it they keep with it. It's not like a throwaway kind of oh we had this one season. A bit like the Barnsley Stars this season, which I didn't even know existed. I don't know if you've seen that kit, but Barnsley's new yeah, kit yeah. has massive, which I didn't even realise was a throwback until I looked at it. But it seems a bit. It must have been random then, and seems even more random now that they bought it back. But it feels like you know the bigger clubs have, have kind of kept those kind of templates somewhere every other year or every few years that they come back and yeah that Arsenal one um is a big one for me so yeah that's well that's how we've covered 10 kits there that quickly before we go Alex I wanted to talk to you about this collection that you've got um on your Instagram feed so you're a big collector but it's a very niche collection what tell us about where and why that particular area because is your favorite and why you collect those I think it's just necessity that there's I don't live in a mansion and <laughs> I think it's very easy to pick up so many kits a year and yeah. and I know people with six, seven, eight hundred and it was, yeah, just to, to kind of narrow it down and make it easier to focus. I, again, as I said at the start, I fell in love with football in the 90s, really, and particularly European football seemed really glamorous. So it's 90s European club shirts and to make it that bit trickier, only the long sleeve version. So the the hunt is often quite difficult, it's but it kind of makes hunt. the payoff a bit better. Yeah, that's a good hunt. So how, how many would you say you've got at the moment? Probably 80, 100, something nice. like that. Yeah, nice. so decent got a, enough. Got uh, a favourite? Can we? Is there a favourite amongst them? Yeah, a, a fair few. I think uh i've shown it a couple of times this week but there's there was one of these night kits borussia dortmund the neon era but it was an away kit that was never worn on pitch so the 96 97 cup shirt so it's white you've got the decontinental sponsor but it's just the c for the european version okay yeah so it's white with some black stripes and then little accents that really distinctive highlighter yellow is just on the cuff and on the badge as well and on the collar so little kind of hints of that that color a bit more subtle than the rest of the decades kits but yeah just an absolute worldie for me yeah that's that's a great kit check out his instagram feed for for more of all those highlights and check out the book once again alex where can we find what's it called where we can get it do the plug before we go absolutely so it's pretty poly as you said one l the history of the football shirt uh, it's available on amazon on stanchion and lots of online sites obviously on waterstones and, and physical bookstores and yeah 
follow it via that via pitch publishing if you want to follow me it's uh, at alex d ireland like the country on both instagram and twitter and i tend to do a lot of sharing my shirt collection and kind of stories and facts about shirts good stuff great and, and you did a twitter plug as well perfect you're a natural at this alex um if you want to follow the show at ak90s please do obviously always get talk on there so we'll be covering that and also we've started this thing we're doing football magazines of the day which started like a great idea but now it takes up half of my day trying to research and try and find the covers so i'm not sure how long it will last but i'm glad that it's getting quite enjoyable match shoot 90 minutes match of the day we'll find them and we'll put them on our twitter feed um, but until next time i've been ash rose this has been alive and kicking keep it 90s I love-